You're listening to audio from Mountain View Church, located in Murphy, North Carolina. If you'd like more information, you can find us at www.mtnvu.org or on Instagram and Facebook at Mountain View Church NC. You listen. Wonderful privilege of opening the scriptures with you this morning. So I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, before we jump into the text, I want to do a couple of things. Number one, I just want to echo what um, Susan and Nico said in the announcements this morning. If you're new to Mountain View, you are invited to join us right after this service for Pasta with the Pastors downstairs in the fellowship hall. It's just an opportunity uh, for us to get to know you, you to get to know us, and for you to learn a little bit more about our church. Don't worry if you didn't sign up. We'll have plenty of food. You're welcome to just hang around and eat with us. Secondly, uh, I found out about this before we printed the bulletin, or I found out about this after we printed the bulletin this week. But on Thursday night at 6 p.m., we are doing a night of worship at the Blue Stage in Andrews. So please come out and not only support our worship team But let's sing to the Lord together. Uh, What a wonderful opportunity just to raise our voices and uh, praise him. I look forward to seeing you there. So what does a spirit-filled person look like? I would venture to say that you could ask a number of different Christians this question, and you may well get unique answers equal to the number of people that you ask. I wonder though, if anyone would answer the question like this. A spirit-filled person is gladly willing to serve others in order to honor, build up, and bless them. This is exactly how the Apostle Paul describes the spirit-filled person in Ephesians 5, 21. Now, in order to set the stage for this single verse that we're gonna unpack this morning, we need to back up a little bit and read from verse 18. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Lord, I pray that first and foremost, above all things this morning, that you would allow us to see Christ, that you would allow us to reverence Christ, and by seeing and reverencing Christ, that your spirit would teach us what it means to be submissive to one another. Lord, this is a challenging truth, partly because of our culture, partly because of our human hearts. And I pray that we'll hear what you would say to us this morning, and that we'll respond with humble, willing, and obedient hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, did you know that the command in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit, 
is a plural command given to the entire church. This tells us that at the very least, being spirit-filled is profoundly relational. And this shouldn't surprise us. After all, as we've talked about throughout Ephesians, we've been saved into relationship with the one true God who is eternally, profoundly, and perfectly relational. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As James Montgomery Boyce once wrote, the spirit-filled life is not to be measured merely by one's private morality or even by one's private spiritual experience, but by how one conducts himself or herself with other persons. In other words, the spirit-filled life is to be measured in some sense by how well you and I love one another. By our gentleness and compassion and tender-heartedness toward one another. By our commitment to speak the truth in love to one another and to have the truth in love spoken to us. And yes, as Paul writes in verse 21, by our genuine willingness to place ourselves under one another as servants in order to promote one another's genuine good. This is what it means, by the way, to submit ourselves to one another, to place ourselves under one another in order to lift one another up. This is really just a practical, everyday relational outworking of the Spirit's power and presence flowing into our lives and overflowing from us and into the lives of others. In fact, it's an outworking of the Spirit's presence and power that sounds a lot like instructions that Paul has given us elsewhere. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Paul writes, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In Romans 15, verses 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul writes, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. Why? To build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through seven, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then Galatians 5.14, Paul there writes, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want to note a few things about 
submitting ourselves to one another before we move on. Number one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ isn't a command. According to the way that the text is written, it's a result of a command. The only command in verses 18 through 21 is go on being filled with the Spirit. And then Paul gives five participles that are direct results of the Spirit's filling in a congregation. And surprisingly, they may not be what you think of when you think of a Spirit-filled person or a Spirit-filled church. When it comes to being a spirit-filled people, Paul says that a spirit-filled people, number one, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. A spirit-filled people, number two, sing to one another. A spirit-filled people, number three, make melody in their hearts together to the Lord a spirit-filled people, number four, give thanks as a body always to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And number five, a spirit-filled people are a people who subject or submit themselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. This means as we focus in on the last of the five, that when the Holy Spirit fills our hearts to overflowing. You and I will not so much experience ecstatic things as we will experience a desire in our hearts to go lower, to take the downward path of service because the Spirit is after all conforming us into the image of Christ who himself did what? took the downward path of service. Number two, because the Spirit is doing this work in our hearts, doesn't mean that it will come naturally or easily to us. For starters, we have a strong distaste for the word submit. We have a strong distaste for the whole idea, for that matter. We are, after all, the proud people who told King George what he could do with his Stamp Act and his taxation without representation. <laughs> Folks, non-compliance is in our blood. Right? In fact, we are much more comfortable as a culture with competition and aggression than we are with submission and service. And let's face it, you and I are just plain old human beings too, and we actually like it when other people serve us. Right? And then number three, there are those who have experienced 
a measure of spiritual abuse at the hands of a group of people or a person who weaponized the idea of submission and used it to coerce or subdue them into doing their own bidding. Look, I want you to know this morning that such a self-centered application of this text or any other like it is the farthest thing from what God intends. If that's you this morning, I do sincerely hope that today's message will give you a glimpse of King Jesus, the King who stooped low to serve you, to serve me, to serve us by taking upon himself the very form of a servant so that he could rescue us from the pit of sin and seat us with him in the palace of heaven. And I hope that setting your sights on what it means to be led and to be loved by King Jesus, who gave his everything for your good and who invites you now and invites me now to follow in his footsteps and to embrace a life of service. Now, ultimately, this little verse of scripture, this phrase that follows on from being filled with the spirit is really just a window. It's a window into this resurrection revolution that we've been talking about all throughout the book of Ephesians. And it not only gives us a look inside God's new creation kingdom, but it's actually an invitation to step inside and to experience just what it's like, what it sounds like and feels like and looks like to be relationally connected to a group of spirit-filled people who actually care about one another, who look out for the interests of others, a community where people listen to one another and speak to one another with the intent of encouraging and building up rather than tearing down, where brothers and sisters are actually and practically committed to loving well. And not only that, this little text is an invitation to examine our own hearts. Here Paul is shining a light into the hearts of we who consider ourselves citizens of God's kingdom. And he's challenging us to do more than begrudgingly help one another out when it's convenient for us. He's showing us a picture of a transformed heart. And he's inviting us to ask Christ to create in us a humble heart, the heart of a servant, a heart that looks like his. And is it any wonder then that the Spirit must do this? We will not place ourselves under others in order to benefit them without the Spirit humbling us and empowering us to deny ourselves and put others first. That is not our natural inclination. 
The Spirit must do that work in us. And look, here's the reality, okay? We will never be a unified church unless we become a Spirit-filled community of brothers and sisters who actually do practice placing ourselves under one another in order to seek one another's greatest good in Christ. Unity cannot last among a people whose constant cry is me first, me first. I promise you, if Satan cannot divide our church through false doctrine or through obvious patterns of sinful behavior, he will most certainly attempt to divide our church by sowing seeds of an uncooperative me first mindset. That kind of mindset, by the way, is fundamentally opposed to the teaching and example of Christ. Paul's telling us that spirit-filled people ultimately lay aside this me-first mindset, this desire to have our own way and to use others to get it. And they look instead to the interests of others. They ask questions about what's best for others. They ask questions about what will truly benefit others. They ask questions about how they can use their words and how they can use their time and how they can use their talents to encourage and build up others. In other words, they look for ways to love. Spirit-filled pastors gladly and willingly acknowledge and serve those that they are leading with patience, compassion, tenderheartedness, recognizing that following comes with its own set of challenges. Spirit-filled pastors humbly also receive the ministry of the body of Christ recognizing that I need and T needs and Justin needs the ministry of others as much as God has called us to minister to you. Spirit-filled church members gladly and willingly accept support and instruction from those they are leading. And they gladly follow those who are leading them with patience and compassion and tenderheartedness, recognizing that leading comes with its own challenges. And they humbly receive the ministry of the pastors God has placed among them, recognizing that they need their pastors as much as their pastors need them. Look, such mutual respect and honor gives us but a glimpse of the spirit-filled life and the spirit-filled church that God through Paul is commending to all of us. 
The kind of attitude and spirit which should characterize a church which is walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. At one point in one of his letters, the apostle Paul warns the church to whom he's writing, be careful that you do not bite and devour one another. Too many churches have been torn to pieces by people who said, whether they were in leadership or not, it's my way or no way. Now I wanted to spend some time in this verse today if I'm being honest, primarily for one reason. Because next week, we're gonna be talking about marriage. And it was important to set that text up with this one. So that all of us, husbands and wives, understand our particular callings in light of this general one. So spirit-filled husbands, if we're looking at that text through this lens, gladly and willingly give themselves up for their wives. Even as Christ gave himself up for the church in order to serve the church's greater good. And spirit-filled wives gladly and willingly give themselves up for their husbands, even as the church willingly and joyfully seeks to serve the Lord Jesus. This is where we're going. And I want you to prepare yourselves. Pray for me. and I will pray for you. <laughs> this verse is the connective tissue between what it means to be a spirit-filled church and what it means to have a spirit-filled home. And we will not understand what Paul is saying about marriage or parenting or workplace relationships unless and until we understand what he's saying about mutual submission. So why do spirit-filled people embrace the downward path of service? Why do we submit to one another? Now, I mentioned earlier that we do it because out of compassionate tenderheartedness, we are concerned with the welfare of others. We place ourselves under one another in order to promote one another's greatest good. But what does that mean? Is our greatest good the elevation of our self-esteem? In other words, is Paul interested in the creation and cultivation of some kind of mutual admiration society? No, he isn't. Is Paul promoting that we deny ourselves in order to make others feel better about themselves? No. What does he say? 
He writes that we submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is your greatest good? What is my greatest good? What is our greatest good as a church? Listen, the greatest good that we can ever do for one another is to help one another see and taste and believe that the Lord Jesus is the greatest good we will ever know. We deny ourselves. We, we arrange ourselves under one another. We, we move to serve one another for the purpose of, according to Paul, increasing our capacity as a church for loving, honoring, trusting, cherishing, and obeying Christ. We take the downward path of service toward one another so that Christ and our esteem for him as a people might deepen and grow and overflow into a world in desperate need of him. In other words, you and I, as a people, we decrease, finish it, so that he can increase. We go low in order to lift Jesus up. This is why Paul says that we arrange ourselves under one another. Paul talked about it in Ephesians chapter four when he said that we embody and speak the truth and love to one another so that you and I together grow into the full stature of the measure of Christ. We go low in order to lift Jesus up that you and I might fill his shoes. We take the downward path of service in response to our king who ahead of us embraced the downward path of service. When you and I submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we make Christ look reverence worthy. We follow in his footsteps as the Holy Spirit recreates his character in us and we demonstrate to one another this cross-shaped path that Jesus walked on our behalf and we cultivate as we do so a greater respect for him, a deeper awe of him, a greater sense of love for him greater sense of desire to submit to him. You see, in the end, the key to submitting to one another is actually reverence for Christ. Reverence for Christ is nurtured through sustained reflection on the unimaginable service that the high king of heaven rendered to us when he left the resounding praises of heaven and took the form of a servant among us. 
Close your eyes for just a minute and listen to the way that the Apostle Paul tells this story. In Philippians chapter two, beginning in verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others." Have this mind among yourselves, which already belongs to you in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he went lower. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now keep your eyes closed and go to that upper room where Jesus shared a final Passover meal with his disciples. Picture them reclining around the table. And then listen to how John tells that story. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter, who essentially said, whoa, 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 Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. 
for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you were clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus said to his disciples on their way to Jerusalem, you need to understand, I didn't come to be served but to serve. Paul's words in Ephesians 5.21 are nothing less than an application of all of these instances where we see Jesus taking the downward path. And when he says that spirit-filled people also take the downward path, It's a reminder that the Spirit is recreating the very character of Christ in us. Look, embracing the Spirit-filled life as a life of submission to others, it's ultimately an invitation to know Christ better. To experience His heart for you in a deeper and richer way. And to come to love him and stand in awe of him more because of the path that he took for you and for me. I encourage you over this next week to spend time reading and rereading and rereading John 13, 1 through 17, and Philippians 2, 1 through 8. Those two texts that I just read over you. It is only through spending significant time with Jesus, asking the Spirit to reveal the heart of Jesus to us, that the heart of Christ then is reflected in our own heart and in our own life. Embracing the Spirit-filled life as a life of submission to others is ultimately not only an invitation to draw near to Christ, but to also learn from Christ what it means to serve like Christ. He is our teacher through his Spirit, whom he promised would teach us everything that he has revealed. This is but one of those things, but it is an important thing. Embracing the Spirit-filled life as a life of submission to others is also an invitation to experience real life and real freedom. Now, I would venture to say that there are at least some of us here who do not believe that our natural inclination is skepticism toward this whole notion because 
Frankly, you and I are too much like our first parents, Adam and Eve, who were deceived by the snake into believing and acting on the mistaken belief that real life and real freedom are found in complete autonomy. In breaking free from life under God and life in mutual submission with other people. But some of you know from experience that ultimately this doesn't work. If you use and manipulate other people to serve your own ends, it does not lead to harmony. It does not lead to real life and real freedom. It does not lead to deepening relationships. It leads to shattered trust and shattered relationships. Isn't it funny that no one wants to be used, but most of us are pretty adept at using. That is the human condition. Some of you find yourselves this morning ruling over a tiny house kingdom that's just big enough for you. And you are incredibly lonely. You're incredibly lonely and you want to blame everyone else for imprisoning you in this tiny house kingdom when what you need to recognize this morning is that you've used and abused everybody around you and you've kicked them out and you've imprisoned yourself. I wonder if you would be willing to admit this morning that you have made a train wreck of your life and your relationships because of your desire to do life on your terms and to expect that everyone around you do life on your terms. If that's where you are, Know that all of the fallout, relationally speaking, is symptomatic of a much deeper problem. That you are not submitting yourself to the God who made you and to the King who died to set you free from that claustrophobic little kingdom you've built for yourself to set you free into the wide world of his kingdom, into life with him and life lived for his glory and for the good of others. And that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to set you free. But that freedom only comes through bowing the knee to Christ and saying to Jesus, I'm tired of doing things my way. Will you take me?
Will you take all my relational mess? Will you take my obstinate heart? And will you make me like you? Do you know what Jesus says every time someone asks those questions? Gladly. Give it all to me. I'll take every bit of it. Look, here's the reality. Only those who are secure in the love of Christ and the sovereignty of Christ will ever embrace the path of mutual submission. Those who are secure in the love of Christ don't need to be noticed or congratulated or honored. They can honor and applaud and cheer on and encourage others without fear of being bypassed or forgotten because they know that the Lord Jesus sees them, the Lord Jesus honors their faithful service, and the Lord Jesus will never forget them. Those who are secure in the sovereignty of Christ feel no need to try to work their way to the top or to manipulate others in order to get their own will done. They can actually climb down the ladder of success. They can climb down the ladder of prestige. They can climb down the ladder of acclaim and applause and honor and popularity and recognition. And they can trust that Jesus will exalt them in due time if their simple desire is to be of service to him. Jesus teaches us that this is how the kingdom works. It's actually how the kingdom worked for him. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 2 that because Jesus took the downward path of service, what did the father do? The father gave him the place of highest authority. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, if you and I also in relationship with Christ will suffer with him, will take the downward path of service, we will also in the end be glorified with him. Look, in the end, arranging ourselves under one another, first of all, has more to do with arranging ourselves under Christ than it does anything else. When you and I recognize that the Holy Spirit is recreating the character of Christ in us. And in the process that the Spirit is calling us to walk the same path that Jesus walked, and by walking that same path, the Spirit is cultivating in us the very heart of Jesus. That's when you and I come to joyfully, gladly, and willingly embrace the downward path. Because it's on the downward path that we get to know Jesus better. And it's on the downward path that we actually become more like him. Is that what you want? Is that what I want? Is that what we want? Spirit-filled people take the downward path of service out of reverence for Christ. Because that's the path he walked. And we want nothing more than to become like him. And ultimately, in the end, to be with him where he is.
May that be our heartbeat as a people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this verse of scripture this morning. God, I pray for my own heart. I pray for the hearts of our leadership team. I pray for the hearts of our people in this church that as you fill us with the Spirit, we would have a genuine desire to go lower, a genuine desire to use our time and our talents and our treasure to see one another built up, to see one another become more like Jesus. God, I realize that submitting ourselves to one another is gonna take wisdom. It doesn't look the same in every relationship or every circumstance. And we're not talking about selfishly meeting one another's desires, but ultimately meeting one another's greatest need for that which is our greatest good, namely Jesus. So help us, Lord, as a people to walk this path by filling us with your spirit and allowing us to see Jesus who's walked this path before us, inviting us to come alongside him and to learn from him what it actually means, what it actually looks like to do this. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Would you stand and let's respond in song together.